0: Anyone can talk football, not everyone can do it East Coast style. The East Coast Gridiron Podcast, starting now.
1: Bull. What's up everybody, this is Dante from East Coast Gridiron. We got so many people on the panel today. We got, not only do we have the stats guru himself, you know, Don to Chelsea every week. But we got we got our guy Chris that's been a long time watcher of ours that uh has come over from the wire to wire family. Shout out to those guys over there. But uh he's been supporting us ever since we've been supporting him. So we appreciate him coming on. Um and then we also got Max or his by his government name, if you want to search him up. d three superstar Max uh Julian Morgan. We got him as a guest on on the panel today. So what's up, guys? Appreciate you guys coming through. As as uh Chris is trying to get rid of his cat, I got I got cat issues as well. So, and everybody knows who this is. This is everybody's favorite couch quarterback Dante here to uh to lay down the facts, to lay down the uh, opinions, uh. And I let Don just handle the stats. I guess stats equals facts. If you guys picked up one of them shirts back in the day, we appreciate you. Um, so let's go ahead and uh just jump into it, guys. Like we, you know, we're gonna talk about the CFP with the the four game um they're going to continue that out and then we're going to get into of course the the main topic of the day is the uh super bowl recap and then we got some fun topics what would it be like if we were a gm who would we pick for the lions so lions is the first victim up and i think we're going to actually carry this out through the season you guys know how we like to do in the offseason we like to uh start predicting records and things like that so we'd probably mix this in i think that'll be pretty cool leading up to the draft and uh I, am i missing one more topic down oh yeah we got four quarterbacks that we want to talk about to see see where they're going to end up at so it's going to be a um, a pretty fun show man so let's go ahead and uh i'll I'll let chris do a little introduction of himself, and then i'll go over to max that i'm doing a little introduction so you guys get to know him a little better before we actually start jumping into uh the college football uh portion of the show so chris give us a little background how'd you find out about us well of course i already told everybody about wire to wire but uh, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself, my man. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that for, for sure facts. And then uh, we got Mister Mister Max Julian Morgan himself. <laughs> Give us a little background on you, <laughs> and uh, you know how'd you find out about us? I already know, but just tell the people. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. yeah I feel like this is a well orchestrated and colorful panel today not just by the different hues of brown and you know you know Don in the summertime you'll get a little brown to you too so it's all good <laughs> uh but uh let's just go ahead and jump over to the the college football playoff my oh, man um they have come out and said it is what it is. Four games up until two thousand twenty-two or two thousand twenty-five.
2: 20, twenty-five, yeah.
1: Man, oh man, oh man. So, what are we, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about this situation, Chris? I'll go ahead and start with you since you're the first one that I, I see on the panel uh give us your thoughts around this man do you and me and don have been well documented on how we feel about this but i would just like to get you you know you and max's take on this one but what's your take on the four game college football playoff
3: for the fan aspect of it i wish that they would expand it would be a lot more entertaining to see more football games yep. but in the sense of finding out who the truest national champion is look at last year do we think anything would have changed? The way Mm. Georgia and Alabama went through the season, you could have played 20 weeks, barring an injury or a fluke. They were the two best teams in college football. It's not basketball where Cinderella's time runs out. Uh, We have generally in football two to three dominant teams, and everybody wanted to see Alabama-Georgia for the best game. Michigan-Cincinnati was an entertaining Let's stick it to college football, but we all know what the best two teams were last year. Um, that's yeah, what sells tickets, not the not, uh, Cinderella matchup in the biggest game of the year.
1: Yep. Uh, Max, what, what's your thoughts? I know we text a little bit back and forth, and you seem like you're on the opposite side. You kind of like the four teams.
0: The four-team the four playoffs makes it competitive. Now, if you prefer... More games and a bigger scale, you know, kind of like a regular bracket for playing video games or just how some other schools run their tournaments, then that's fine. But to get the best out of players, you you want it to be exclusive. And I think that's why they're keeping it until 2025 is the exclusivity of it. If you like like Chris said about Georgia and Alabama being the two best teams, but then we had like Michigan and Cincinnati coming in and bringing their little Cinderella stories in and creating that that excitement that we needed, you know, some fresh teams, some fresh faces that you don't always see coming into the playoffs. Then that's awesome. But, you know, it's a way to weed out uh, teams like Oklahoma, uh, right? Let's just be honest here. Oklahoma had a decent run for a while, you know, with Kayla Williams. You know, they were really shaky with Spencer Rattler at first. Then Kayla Williams comes in and, you know, what happens? They start winning games under Lincoln Riley, you know, becomes a a race towards the top four. So then everything starts to become a little more competitive. You know, you want to knock out this team or, hey, you want a better seating, you know, within the top 25. But four games, I feel like four games is not enough to satisfy the average football watcher. But if you enjoy competition and just seeing everybody go at it and, you know, the top of the top in terms of competition, I feel like four games is the best.
1: So you guys bring up very interesting points, but just from opposite end of the spectrum. Now, Max, I really like that point is that if you want to see competition at the highest level, you got it with the four teams. I I don't personally I don't think I ever heard anybody. Oh, I almost fell on my chair. Um, I personally don't think that I've heard anybody make that that specific argument, which is very interesting. Um, now me and Don are all always on. You know, sometimes we're not on the same page, sometimes we are. But this is one thing that me and Don totally agree. Kind of twelve to sixteen teams is like the the sweet spot. You can make an argument for for either or, right? I've been in the boat of saying that i think uh 12 teams is like the the best that you can do um and for those of you that haven't heard me say this or you know for i know chris is a more recent viewer and uh max uh, you know we, we had just met not too long ago kind of my take on it was 12 teams you take not only the winner of you know all the power five conferences and the runner-ups and you see them accordingly but then you have two other teams that are at large from some of these smaller conferences so they get a chance. Because what we're going to run into is maybe Cincinnati is not going to do as well next year. I just don't – at the end of the day, I just don't want a – and I don't know if you were too young to to know this at the time, Max. You're kind of the minority in that situation among <laughs> the panel. But I was young at the time, but it was the early 2000s, the Boise State mm-hmm. teams from then that didn't even get a chance. Yep. And everybody know that they could have stomped a mud hole in some people just, you know, surprisingly, but we didn't know we never got a chance because it was everything was done by computers and everything and strength of schedules and all that stuff had to, you know, to throw itself in there. But I mean, there's only so much that a coach can do with trying to schedule teams. Now, on the other hand, Luke Fickle did the right thing in scheduling the Notre Dames of the world. That was their shite Brandon spot right there, of course scheduling them and beating them at home now um that's that's kind of where i lie with it i know it's not perfect i think joel clad if any any of you guys watch joel clad i think his explanation on what a you know 12 14 and 16 team playoff would look like makes a lot of sense too um and he wants to see more teams have a little bit more home field advantage for doing what they're supposed to do as well and he throws that in his mixture but Don, what was, you know, just for these guys up front and, you know, some of our newer viewers who, who you know, what, what was your thoughts behind, you know, your argument for more than four teams?
2: Well, I think there's going to be more of a trickle-down effect if you're keeping the four teams of other things that impact it, such as the NIL and everything like that, the transfer portal. You're going to have more people wanting to get to that top four teams that are likely to be there. And when they can't get there, fine, they're going to go somewhere else. But then what is their dedication to that team? Do they play in their uh, beyond conference championship? Do they play in their bowl game? Does it really mm-hmm. matter because they want to get on with their uh, pro career? Or, you know, is it going to spoil any of their NIL money if they get injured? They're it's going to trickle down into a lot of other things. So if they open that field up, you're going to have more people being more competitive in more games. I
1: just always said at the end of the day, why have 120 something teams in FBS football if none of them are going to get a chance to compete? It's almost redundant to see these teams just, you know, play a season that really doesn't matter when they're not even going to be able to touch, you know, a national championship trophy unless. That team does well enough, and by chance and by recruiting, um, has a chance of to move into a bigger conference. I mean, look at Appalachian State; they smashed—they didn't smash, but they beat Michigan several years ago, mm-hmm. and that was like one of the cases that moved them right into being an, an FBS team. Right. But I wouldn't say Appalachian State—you're not going to match them up with Alabama; they're not even going to have a chance. It's going <laughs> to be a slaughter fest. Right. So it's like, why are why are we even? you know and to max's point if you want to see the best competition you saw it it was there it was the national championship was all that it was but you know and everybody's heart of hearts everybody would love to see the cincinnati versus georgia or you know the alabama versus cincinnati or even cincinnati versus michigan if they'd laid it out in you know in a different way that still would have looked cool but um, that wouldn't have looked good for Michigan by losing the Cincinnati <laughs> after they just lost like several years ago to Appalachian state. But uh, what's your, I mean, what's your guys' final thoughts on this? I mean, the four game thing, I, like I said, 120, 130 plus teams. This, this is not the right format. Bright side. We got the best competition. Nobody's arguing that at all either. Um, So I kind of, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm, uh, you know, a rock in the hard place, like you know, you know, right now. So any, any final thoughts on this?
3: I think if you expand it, you were talked about getting better competition, but is Kenny Pickett playing in that one verse 16 game or mm-hmm. are we just watching people that know they can't compete against the Alabamas and the Georgias, the number 12 through 10 through 16 that know they don't really have a chance. You mentioned 130 schools, but out of those 130, how many really think they're going to win the national title every year? 20? The rest of them are there for the money, not for necessarily hoisting up the shiny trophy at the end of the season. Unless they're you're
1: definitely- Coastal Carolina from last year or UCF from years prior, or the Boise States in the early 2000s, like I said, those are the only schools that believe they have a chance. Right.
3: For one year. Like you said, yeah. Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, exactly. Next
3: year. You betting on Cincinnati to be a 10 win team?
1: They don't lose <laughs> too much in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to our boy Petey up in the chat. He says he will never beat the big boys playing a 3 3 5 defense. Again, who knows, man? <laughs> you know, who who knows? We never got a chance to see because the you know, they lost. But if they had a better team or would have beat Michigan, then we would have been looking or beat um Alabama, then we would have been looking at something totally different. I still believe at the end of the day, everybody knew Georgia's team was the best in the country. Mm-hmm. Like when they were clicking on all cylinders. That front seven, we've been talking about that for like damn near two years now. They are monsters up front. They got seven first-round NFL guys right now that, you know, you can choose from. You don't say that about a lot of teams. They Cincinnati wouldn't have been able to do anything, and they better not have run the ball not even one time. You know, your better chances is going against that secondary that was always a question mark with Georgia than they're running up against them guys. I mean, if you want to put your, you know, have your running back go to a funeral the next day, that's... <laughs> you, you, you don't do that against Georgia, so... Um, But, yeah, they, they, I mean, great discussions, though. I mean, it's a mixture of, you know, everything that we're saying. How do you find the balance between the best competition and giving the smaller guys a chance that you think deserve to be there as well? Because that's always a question mark. Is Alabama scared to lose against a smaller school? Let, wh- when is the day that we're going to see Tulane upset Alabama? <laughs>
2: That's it's a- never going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah. But if they go twelve and zero for three seasons straight, it's kind of like the Cincinnati thing. They kind of got to get a chance at the end of the day. Like you'll never know. It's always going to be a question mark. Um, because that's I think at the end of the day, big schools are scared to to be the first ones to lose to a smaller school trivia time, several episodes ago, <laughs> you could be, you could be the rice university out there. Yes. That's beat Georgia, Alabama back in the day. And nobody was talking, nobody's talking about owls. You know, they weren't talking about the, the rice owls at all. But if you go look at their resume, they beat all these teams back in the day, <laughs> but anybody talking no. about rice right now, they're, they're damn near division two school as well. So, um, all right, so let's go over and get into the to real topics, man. The the real topic of the day, we came off last Sunday watching Super Bowl LVI, Bengals versus the Rams. Everybody was excited that we saw not two teams that weren't the, the normal guys or the normal players getting in. Um, the argument was, do you blame the Rams GM for making all the moves he did in the offseason? Your goal is to win the Super Bowl every single year. Mm-hmm. Shout out to that guy. He's not Harry Roseman. No, I'm sorry, you Eagles fans, but he's, <laughs> he's, not. Not Harry, he's not Harry Roseman, man. His goal was to win a championship, and that's what he that's what he did. Um you bring everybody in that you can and, and then you got the Bengals on the opposite side who were the opposite team that it was a group I don't want to say of nobodies, but it was the land of misfit children. Um that you know had a team that was thrown together, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow were the only two familiar faces, and that 's because they had that in in college and and look what they did they started proving people wrong. Jamar Chase had one of the most phenomenal catch to yardage ratios that i 've been talking about for the last several weeks eighty eighty something catches for fourteen fifteen hundred yards that 's absolutely insane uh, a couple two hundred yard games in there as well. Uh, mind you, our boy Cooper cup. <laughs> got close to 200 yards. Jamar Chase did it like two or three times last year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, shout out. I'm wearing a, my Cooper Cup jersey today, represent. But uh what was your guys thoughts on this game, man? Uh I'll start with you, Max. You know, when you were sitting back watching it to come down to 23 to 20, did you expect it to be this close of a game or were you thinking the total opposite in just your initial thoughts after the game?
0: Uh genuinely, I I knew it was going to be a good game in the beginning you know, each team has to feel each other out. I think that's how most games go, but more more intensity in the Super Bowl, so you kind of – you don't want to expose your entire playbook to the other team for yourself to get figured out. But I feel, I feel like the Rams were hitting on all cylinders at the beginning of the half, you know. They, Bengals were trying to contain Cooper Cup as best as they could, but you can't do that when you have OBJ who, you know, coming into the year by swear he was washed and how he was going to – you know, how he was going to act, having Baker Mayfield as a quarterback, having to share uh, touches with Jarvis Landry and everything. And then the whole Baker situation happens and he comes to the Ram. He shows that he could be a team player and is a, a viable option for Matt Stafford and team, especially when they lost Robert Woods. So he became that vertical threat. Uh, I feel the Bengals really didn't have a sturdy secondary other than maybe Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell at the safety position who are veterans and decent enough guys that you put them out there in coverage, they're going to make a play at some point. Mm-hmm. I feel in the second half after the Rams lost OBJ that they started to slow down. Like They started to slow down. When they had to play Skaronik in the game, you could tell that the offense passing-wise was not as effective as it was in the first half. Skaronik's a, a, a rookie, but he He's not a proven guy. You know, he was kind of one of those guys that just uh, well, he's here on the board, you know, should we just take him for death? You know, we don't have anybody else other than Van Jefferson. So you kind of just pick him up. And He showed that in the last playoff game. He dropped a wide open uh, back of the end zone touchdown catch. Yeah. Like you can't – can you trust him to throw it to him if they triple coverage uh, Cooper Cup? But I feel that the game was in the bag for the Rams – defensively simply because of the defense you've got von miller eric donald and you bring back uh eric weddle you bring eric weddle out of retirement to do nothing but you know maybe make a tackle here and there and just to be that veteran presence that you need within the back safety corps taylor Rapp and a few of those guys just, you know, they're young-minded. They're they're eager to make a play. And you saw it with Jalen Ramsey during some of those times during the game. Jamar Chase made a big catch. It was really Ramsey sitting there trying to play the underneath of the route to catch an interception because, you know, he trusted his guys. He had enough trust in his guys to cause pressure for him to assumingly make an interception. But not all those times did it work out for him. And he just had to do better. So I feel like those bigger plays are what, kept the Bengals within the game. But defensively, they were outclassed. All
1: right. Yep. And, um, I, you know, I, I just want to get into, you know, how I feel about the the, the Cooper Cup situation. Chris said he'll be right back. Um, the Cooper Cup situation here. So what's so impressive about Cooper Cup that I don't think a lot of people were mentioning is, yes, he did have... Everybody and their mama trying to cover this dude. Everybody knows how the top of the route was like it's like his bread and butter. It's never his release. It's never anything like that. It's it's a route running ability at the top of the route to get open that a lot of people don't give him credit for. With that being said, the whole first half he was pretty much shut down. Um, you know, like you were saying, Max and what did they have to rely on oh it's easy when you got a weapon like obj right there and it seemed like they i told my wife i was like man they're about to pull away on this game if if this is like that and please replace the damn turf i'm tired of seeing players get hurt (laughs) you know off -off turf injuries like that getting their feet stuck and because uh at first it just it looked it looked really really weird um you know when and when you look at it because it's like all right, so OBJ caught that pass and then just threw it away. There's there's no way that he didn't hang on to that, and then you come out and you see him grab his leg and it was like wow this is uh this must be serious if he's dropping the ball mid catch, and then you come out and, and hear that it was the ACL injury or whatever the case might be. So that's the first thing. The second thing I just want to say, Bengals, there's a lot of cornerbacks in this draft. Whatever you got to do, if you got to trade up, if you um, you know, you got to do whatever you got to do, then do it. Because Owuor is buns. Uh, <laughs> Eli Apple is buns as well. They and then and then Chris Collinsworth. I love I love Chris <laughs> Collinsworth. I'm probably the anomaly, right? But he was driving me crazy talking about like how good a was doing during the playoffs. I'm like, you must have watched any Bengals games. Cause I've been saying this the last like two games they played in the playoffs, Woozie was getting burned. He was the worst player on that defense by far. And then Eli Apple just had to blow his own head up by covering Tyreek Hill on one route. Oh, I'm the best in the world. And then literally is holding my man down. In the goal line, you know, holding Cooper Cup down, you know you're scared of a receiver when you're just just holding them back like that. And, and Max, I know you're a DB and everything, but, like, I saw this meme the other day, and it was, like, live look at Eli Apple, and it was a car hitting a trash can. I was like, you might as well (laughs) do it for a woozy, too, because he was was buns as well. He was buns the whole playoffs. JC Bates was, like, the only one that wanted to step up and make plays, but, you know jesse bates is not a cornerback either he's he's a safety so he can't do it all uh but those are the two points i wanted to make um you know chris what was what was your thoughts when you were watching the game i mean
3: i thought that one you saw how valuable rbj was before he went down the rams offense was marching down the field he was on pace to be the mvp not cooper cup he was balling out he went down on that offense you called that um, and on the for the Bengals, man, I know that everybody's happy with Chase, but Penny Sewell would have kept Joe <laughs> Burrow upright. That man can't mm-hmm. take those hits. It's just not. We saw it last year with Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, but he had lost his to injury. Cincinnati doesn't have anybody there. They're what? A uh, hundred and some under the cap, a hundred and some million under the cap. They definitely need to invest in a line or. That future is real. They got about two more years before he's with Andrew Luck.
1: (laughs) And they have a lot on that defense and offense that they could trade away just to fill in that gap. I would be trying to gun for number one with Jacksonville to get Evan Neal or somebody or that kid out of NC State because there's – what you saw in the Super Bowl was a total disaster of a breakdown in communication with that offensive line. And think about this. Panay Sewell – his you know off season when he came into the preseason and everything was not good. Jamar Chase, his preseason was not good. And these dudes just turned into superstars as of week 1 and it was worth it for both teams. So I mean, at this point in time it's like hindsight's always 2020. 20. Could the Bengals have done it with Jamar Chase? I love Tyler Boyd. He's been balling out with less than less than nothing on that team um and then you get you know t higgins back there and then they gelled together and then you have cj um uzama who was who was amazing this year as well i think they would have been all right i don't think they would have been a super bowl team but just jamar chase just put them slightly over that edge where it was like there's nothing that you can do i'm just better stronger bigger faster than you Uh, almost akin to what we saw with randy moss i know that's a huge comparison but just think about his skill set it's very similar um you know almost calvin johnson like as well with just his size and ability but yeah man it's they need to do something there's a couple offensive linemen that are coming into free agency as well but i think everybody knows seven sacks you know you, you're going to need to you know, re- replace somebody. Somebody's got to be doing some type of job. I mean, let's go through some um, some stats guru fun facts for today. Thanks, Don. <laughs> Rams had the longest game-winning drive. I, I put 15 games, but 15 plays is what it's supposed to be. Rams had seven sacks tied for a Super Bowl record. Sean McVay is the youngest head coach to win a Super Bowl. Previous to that, Mike Tomlin. Uh, Rams had 43 rushing yards as a team and was the second fewest in the Super Bowl. Crazy, crazy, crazy to yes. think about. Um, Don, what was what was your outlook on the game?
2: Well, it seemed like all throughout the playoffs, the, the Bengals had a, a general plan. Um, mm-hmm. Started with the Titans game. I mean, their quarterback, Burrow got sacked so many times in that game, too. It was ridiculous. But no matter what type of a half they had the first half, whatever the coaches did, whatever the coaches said, whatever the players did or said at halftime, the Bengals would pick up the second half. Their defense was playing better. Offense was playing better. They got in enough good field position where they could utilize their kicker, who had four field goals every game and that worked all throughout the playoffs until they got to the Rams they they didn't turn it on in the second half like they had before offense or defense and they couldn't get their kicker in field goal range so kudos to the Rams you know they they put out a better team effort and uh, it was it was an interesting game I mean there was a lot of things said one way or the other about the officials, but overall it was a good game.
1: It was, it was. I just, you know, wanted to throw up here as well. Super Bowl MVP Cooper Cup, mm-hmm. not only being the the triple crown winner, but also capping his amazing season off as the Super Bowl MVP uh, as well. One thing that we haven't seen since Jerry Rice triple crown hasn't been seen since Steve Smith, and something that Calvin Johnson did not do with Matt Stafford. Um, all to wrap it up and and a nice little bow for everybody. Um, C- cup was not MVP. I mean, you can say what you want, but the facts are the facts. <laughs> I mean, he won it. There's there's a lot of people that you could, but you know, I don't I don't disagree with you, Petey. But the the thing about what Cooper Cup did. Everybody knows who Aaron Donald is. Everybody. You got to cover the dude. Do whatever you got to do. You can't allow him to make a play like he did the last game. Now, the thing about Cooper Cup is what we talked about when Max was talking about as well. is like you got to be able to cover this dude the whole game, regardless of OBJs there or not. But, like, that first half, he struggled. He struggled and then came out the second half, not only made an amazing catch at the back of the end zone in the very first half when nobody was covering him, um but but also just to get that last drive was brutal and if you ever play football man (laughs) getting hit and getting held numerous times over and over and over and over and over again and still making that amazing touchdown grab he did at the end you you have to you got to give it the cup man Si- a, a silent assassin, <laughs> man. He didn't do anything. all oh, game OBJ's injury had an impact because Cup couldn't produce. Hey, I'm a I'm a just throw it back up for you, my guy. Eight catches, 92 yards, and two touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Yep. You can say as much as you want, Eli Apple and uh and or Buns, but he, <laughs> again, just like Aaron Donald, you gotta treat Cooper Cup the same way. I mean, I, it's like to me. Let's take a step back here. To me, it's like, if he's not your number one priority, what are we doing? If Aaron Donald's not your number priority on defense, what are you doing? Because Jalen Ramsey had the worst game of his career, so he was automatically a non-factor. So you got to go and focus on the guy that's giving you so much disruptions. But to be honest, a lot of people could have been an MVP because there was a lot of people stepping up and they were doing things in the trenches that were allowing this stuff to happen. Von Miller had a really good game. Um, What's his name? Floyd had a really good game at linebacker as well. Nobody was talking about that guy. It's There's numerous guys that that, that could have got it, but to say that he he doesn't deserve it, I mean, it might be a, a little biased, or whoever's doing the voting might be a little biased in the season that he might have had, but... Uh, would you rather want obj to win mvp or, or cooper cup <laughs> which whose head is gonna get blown up more at the O-B-J. end of the day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> obj
3: would have won me money oh <laughs> uh, yeah he would have won you money too
1: he would have won you money too um but yeah i mean it, it just is what it is you gotta accept it cooper cup is uh is is your super bowl mvp but how many times have we seen super bowl mvps that shouldn't really want it I don't think this is kind of that case. But there's been a there's been a couple times where you're like, mm, I don't know if he should have won the MVP. Um how about how about your boy, uh, what was his name? Um Malcolm something that used to play for the Seahawks. He made that one good play and won MVP. Malcolm Smith? Yeah, Malcolm Smith. Yep.
0: Mm.
1: Malcolm Smith played linebacker back for the Sea C- the Seahawks. Made one good play and he won MVP. And everybody's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Uh, Julian Edelman won MVP. Should he have really won that year? I mean, Every top wherever ever. But it's kind of – I think the Super Bowl MVP award is kind of like, what have you done for me lately? And that last drive pretty much secured it for him outside of Aaron Donald making that one play hmm. where he just swung his arm out and drugged the guy to the ground. I mean, but he was doing it all game. I think if you're going to do anything, treat it like fantasy. Who are you going to get an MVP award to? Just give it to the full defense. <laughs> For the Rams. Just get just give it to them all. This is a shared award. Here you go. Defense. <laughs> uh, but I think it was a it was a good Super Bowl, guys. I mean any any other things that people are not talking about that you guys observed from the game or just like any kudos to any player on any one of those teams that um that you feel like should get it. Or was, let's just say this. Will the, will the Rams repeat what they've done this year? No. 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 I don't the think, Bengals I, repeat what they I, I done? don't think either team is oh,
0: making oh, it oh, back to oh, the oh, Super oh, Bowl. Oh, oh, oh. The Rams will.
1: You think the Rams will? I
3: don't know about the Super Bowl, but the Rams are going to be in the playoffs. Stafford's got one more year. Cup is still there. Uh, they're, they're running backs. One of them's going to stick around. Cam Akers will be back next year. That GM, Sharon, he values zero draft picks. So, what's the stop done for next year trading more number ones to replenish? Uh, They have a short window, but it's not a one year window.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, I I like the rims. I just don't. I think it. I think it depends on a a couple things. I honestly think it depends on where Aaron Donald's going to be next year. How much – I mean, and I'm all about psyche of players, man. I mean, said the same thing about Carson Wentz. How is the psyche of Jalen Ramsey right now watching what was just done to him?
0: He's probably – honestly, he's not that down bad. (laughs) He's not. You don't think so? Well, this is coming from a DB,
1: so I want to hear it.
0: (laughs) I'm telling you. As a DB, you have to have a short-term memory loss. Yep. So you, you can get snagged on, you know what I'm saying? You can give up sixty big sixty yard bombs like the entire game. You can have one bad game. But yep. then the next like, as soon as it's over and you get the win and whatnot, you gotta just let it go. You know what I'm saying? You go back to the drawing board, you go, okay, what did I do wrong here? You know, how can I improve on for that for the next game? Jalen Ramsey is a great athlete. Simply put, generational talent at cornerback. Now, you know, he's not the next Darrell Revis, you know, clamping up guys only limiting them the under 35 yards for a season. But, you know, he's clamping up notable guys, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf, Tyreek Hill, those kinds of guys. He's always, you know, he's always going to make them draw out the best in themselves in order to beat him. But when he does do something bad, you know, yeah, it raises his emotions a little bit because he knows how much weight is on his shoulders as a superstar player on that team. But at the same time, you kind of got to let it go. You won the Super Bowl. You celebrate it. It's time to move on and just work in the offseason to perfect the craft.
1: Do you guys think that face mask had, had anything to do with the, his lack of confidence for the rest of the game?
0: Yes. Genuinely, yes. Because that face mask was in. Was nearly an awful miscall to the Saints Rams game where uh, was it Roby Coleman that uh, laid mm-hmm. out Deontay Harris on the little wheel route that should have sent the Saints to to what was it the divisional round right or I
1: think it was the championship round yeah. one of
0: the rounds that was terrible that was blatant now he over it a little bit and allowed it to become a back shoulder play for T Higgins but he it was sold. He sold it enough to be thrown for a flag. I mean, if you're gonna you're gonna throw a flag on something babyish, you need to throw a flag on you know a face mask call, a blatant one at that.
1: Some uh, some of the people were saying that the refs they thought were biased, but then it's like, well, if you pull out that that face mask and then what happened at the end of the game where Cooper Cup <laughs> got held up by the linebacker there at the end, it's like, well, you gave one, now we win one now too. So I mean, it, it, it's. I mean, but they really need to define what what exactly is a interference, what exactly is a hold? I'm still confused on what what the hell a damn catch is. Why we don't have this much controversy in college football and they just got to keep one foot in. How can they how can they get it right? And it's like we can't even get play calling right like down to a science. I clearly saw a tug on a jersey. If you're holding on somebody's jersey to hold them back from running them routes, and I'm sure Out of all the receivers out there, right? Every receiver wants to lose, you know, win a little bit. They (laughs) want to win every single batter out there. If this was OBJ, I probably wouldn't have called the flag. But I don't think Cooper Cup has fallen to his knees if he, you know, if if he wasn't getting held back of some sort from that play. You know, some things look. How many times have you seen a player get injured and it looked not as bad as when, (laughs) you know, the play was happening in real time and then. Ryan Shazier's injury, for example. How bad did that look? It didn't look bad at all, and then this dude couldn't move. So, I mean, it's like the same thing with penalties. Like, you're not out there. You don't know how strong these guys are. And I'm sure, Max, you know, like some receivers are just super strong that can just, you know, maneuver you, or you're just stronger than one of the receivers. You're just maneuvering them out the way, and you get, you know, you're getting away with these little things, these hand-fighting little little things that you're not getting flagged on, but it's just like, you know, you're a magician at your craft. so. This is what it is.
0: Yeah, you always meet guys like that. You always meet the big 62 like 225 guys. DK fall. Metcalf. <laughs> I'm yet to meet one of the
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't
0: want to. I don't want to. But Yeah. You meet guys like that, you know, the guys that will hand fight you along the side, you know, along the sidelines and stuff. And sometimes you'll get called for it. Sometimes you'll win the call that you want. Sometimes they'll win the call that they want. But you just gotta honestly just roll with it. And you just gotta keep doing what you're doing. You always be coached up on what to do. If you can sneak in a little tug at the top of a route, I do it. I do it all the time. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yep. Clearly, there are, and I'm sure Chris, you would agree with this. And me and me and Don talk about this stuff. There's unwritten rules with with everything. Because I'm telling you right now. The one thing in baseball that I hate is that 3-0 count, not supposed to hit against a 3-0 count, but I'm Fernando Tatis in that joint if it comes my way. <laughs> like You throw it down the middle, I'm hitting a home run. I don't care if everybody hates me. It is what it is, man. You do what you got to do to secure the win. At the end of the day, if it's a W in the win column, I don't care about none of them unwritten rules. I'm doing what I got to do. So, um, Some people might hate that. Some people might love that. It is what it is, but um but yeah man i I love the fact that this was a a great super Bowl the whole i mean let's just think about it outside of the penalties and all the drama that happened within the game from the o b j injury to the to Eli Apple getting destroyed, <laughs> the playoffs themselves were amazing this year mm-hmm.
3: mm. Absolutely. I think
1: probably the best I've seen in my lifetime, you know now with what you guys have seen over the years and you know max from your standpoint like chris was this the best or one of the best that you've seen
3: this is one of the best probably the best constant moments just as a fan you know as a titans fan i like the one yard short i still remember t.o catching the pass from steve young and crying i think that was against green bay from top to bottom from week one till the super bowl there hasn't been a more competitive I mean we only saw four road teams winning the divisional round.
1: That's unheard of. Yeah, y'all overhyped these games? First round was trash. What made it trash? No, nah, the first
0: round was solid. Now I
1: wouldn't every round was solid. Like it wasn't, it whenever wasn't, you're winning games by field goals, that's that's not
0: That's good
1: competition. That's mm-hmm. good competition. What so let me ask a question, because now I'm getting hyped up. So would you rather want teams going to the playoffs that are getting blown out? I would not want that, because at the end of the day, we would be sitting on the show talking about, well, the Packers got beat by the 49ers, 49-0. to zero. They shouldn't have been there.
3: I think we live in a modern world, where if the game's not 35-32, if it's not that Rams-Kansas City Monday night game from three years ago, oh. it's boring. Oh. But People
1: don't – I compare playing defense in the NFL to ground game in MMA.
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing and you don't respect that craft of yes. watching some technicalities going on, and it could be the cleanest defensive games, no penalties, nobody's got holding calls, it's just clean, good football, or in MMA, a clean jiu-jitsu or grappling game, then – I'm sorry, you you're just a casual you're just a casual fan at that point. Like I don't know what to tell you, just don't watch. Because when me and Don met and me being involved in the sport at one point, when I yeah. broke it down to Don in a certain way, it was like, This is how things are done as far as an MMA standpoint or a jiu-jitsu standpoint. It makes you appreciate that type mm-hmm. of stuff even more. And Max, I know you could probably appreciate it. Like, man, if I if me and my guy on you know, we we're, we're locking up the X and the Z receiver all game long and it's coming down 3-3 with the last 2 minutes of the game. I'm excited. I'm excited. I want to see who's at that point in time it's like who's more tired from being in the trenches at that point. I I don't know, man. Like I <laughs> to me the playoffs were great. If you're talking about teams that should have deserved to be there All those teams, by the way that they played in the playoffs, deserve to be there in the playoffs playing against each other. Gross of what you say about the Titans choking as their number one seed. What we saw was almost damn near perfect football. Is there any objections to what I'm saying right now? I don't think the Cowboys should have been
0: there. I'll be honest. I don't think the Cowboys. <laughs> <I'll be honest. laughs> now, I know my mom's probably listening in somewhere, but and all I don't you know. There's probably be a couple Cowboys fans. I don't think the Cowboys should have been there. I genuinely don't. I the Cowboys had talent, right? CD uh, Trayvon Diggs had a great season, a 50-50 season. You know, Just what? Country, I, I won't, yeah. I won't <laughs> say great because I, I can never <laughs> give him his props for that for that season. You know, I can give him props for breaking the record, but I'm not gonna give him his props for for the season. You know, and that's you know a little controversial. Oh, you play DB? Why are you not gonna give a DB that broke a record his props? You can't. To me, you can't break a record positively, then break another record that's also negative to you. <laughs> you give up over a thousand yards, but you catch eleven picks. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: Had to tell my DB coach. I said, he said, "Yeah, Trayvon Diggs is a dog." I said, "No, he's not." He said, "Why do you say that?" I looked Thank at him. And I said, "I said adequate coverage." allows for more, uh, targets. He says, what does that mean? I said, if you suck in coverage, I'm going to throw it at you every game all <laughs> the entire time. If I watch all all these other receivers beat you at the line of scrimmage, beat you over the top or beat you, you know, short to intermediate routes, I'm going to throw it at you. I'm going to test you. I want you to prove to me that I shouldn't throw it to you. That's why Jalen Ramsey hasn't, hasn't touched the, uh, Interceptions record, neither. They don't throw it to him. You're not going to throw it to a guy like Jalen Ramsey when he covers everybody proficiently. You're going to throw it to Daryl Williams, uh, Trayvon Diggs, uh, Chidobia Wouzier, Elipa. You're going to throw it to those guys. You're going to see if they're really good. And I feel like, other than Micah Parsons, that team was just not better than some of the other teams in the NFC. You know, the Eagles weren't a bad team. They were a wishy washy team. I don't think that they. They would have won that Tampa Bay game. I don't think they would have won that game. But I feel as if, you know, maybe another NFC team over the Cowboys would have made it a little more competitive against the 49ers because the 49ers came out there with a plan to run the ball. Jimmy G's not going to take like 30, 40 passing attempts. We're going to give it to Eli Mitchell. We're going to give it to Debo Samuel, George Kittle here and there. And then we're just gonna let our defense play. And even then, their secondary isn't as strong as it used to be. They don't have a decent Richard Sherman anymore. They don't have a decent safety core. You have uh Jaquiski Tart and I think it's like EJ Mosley out there. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh Fred Warner as a middle linebacker, and you know, you saw their front seven get absolutely just demolished in the offseason because they wouldn't resign Eric Armstead. They let they just let people walk. So they they were playing with just, you know, Nick Bosa and crew. Hmm. I feel like the Cowboys just aren't there yet.
1: Me and Don said years ago about Dallas, and people thought we were great. When I say thought we were crazy, <laughs> I said, what's his name? Um, The Ewok.
2: Ezekiel <laughs> Z- 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 Q- Elliott. Z- yeah, Zeke. <laughs> that... <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs>
1: I said that Zeke would be nothing without that offensive line. Right. Ever since they started getting injuries, and then people started leaving, and people started getting older, people want Tony Pollard to start now because people are starting to see to. Tony. Po- cause Tony Pollard's better. <laughs> He's the better back that hasn't got his that hasn't got his just due yet. I don't even people that aren't fans of the Cowboys want to see Tony Pollard get to get a couple get a couple carries like, you know. It's it's ridiculous. They they trust that dude way too much. I've seen the same thing with uh, Travis Etienne at, at Clemson. Don, mm-hmm. uh, remember that game yep. where the, the hole was just like <laughs> Moses was out there. And people yeah. were like, oh, Travis Etienne, he's going to be the one of the best running backs ever. And I'm like, Okay, we'll see what he does with Jacksonville this year. Once they get Evan Nell and everything, just like I said about Trevor Lawrence, he's right. going to be complete trash, too, the rest of his career. You put too much trust in these guys. Y'all don't People yeah. don't sit back and watch the tape, man. But, like, seriously, I don't know what all these insiders are going through talking about people, but it's ridiculous. Chris, I know you wanted to say something.
3: I just can't believe you're going to make me defend the Cowboys, but the Cowboys Go ahead. Are, are... I'm a Jaguars fan, so it don't matter. They're indicative of the <laughs> NFC. Of the NFC. Every good and if Aaron Rodgers leaves, we're gonna we're gonna get into that, depending on what happens with quarterback. The NFC, Dallas is the typical team. Arizona starts out good with Kyler. They're, they're, they have a bunch of talent that's not used properly. Is there really a the, the Bears and the Vikings talented pieces around the field? But they, in the NFC, it doesn't seem like any coach has been able to take the talented pieces they have and win with it. It's Aaron Rodgers winning with Devontae Adams every year. So Russell Wilson hooking and crooking his way every other year, every three years to a division title. But for the most part, and the, the AFC is going to dominate for the next five years. Those are the teams that are mm-hmm. built right with coaches that – are coaching young talent and developing them. The Cowboys are what the NFC is. A, a great team on paper that the sum of their parts don't equal the whole, you know? You Unfortunately, know who I- And those are the worst teams. When you're a kid growing up and you look in the locker room and you're like, I'm surrounded by studs and none of us can get along. We, we can't pull it together and the church doesn't force us. To come together Mm -hmm. that's dallas deserve their three seed and they're going to continue to be a a top seed in the nfc east um, or in the nfc in general until it switches back and good coaches come into that division to those divisions and owners give them time to develop the players
1: that's that's a great analysis and 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 i said this you know a couple shows ago and, you know, we can move on to the Matt Stafford thing here. But NFC's brightest spot and their – well, their brightest spot and two of their weakest spots are are this. NFC West is the best division in football. How many times have we seen the Cardinals, the Rams, the Seahawks, <laughs> you know, all those teams – end up in the playoffs or in the championship rounds. How many times did Aaron Rodgers lose to the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game? Right. The Rams, the you know, those teams, you got the best division in football right there. On the other side, NFC East is the worst division in football. Like, call it what it is, but teams that are getting into the playoffs shouldn't be sub-500 or lower than that every single year. Three out of their four teams. Um, now, the other oh, – let me get Chris back in here. The The opposite side of that, the other th- dark spot of the NFC is what we've been talking about, the Cowboys. It's supposed to be America's team, got all these fans. They get hyped up every single year and don't perform.
2: They're the best so, team on paper almost every year.
1: Exactly, and can't do nothing about yep. it. So I know this has nothing to do with the Super Bowl, but uh, you know, it just it just is what yep, it is. It is. I know I know Petey's up in here trying to trying to troll us. Titans were garbage. There's no way they were garbage as the number one seed, bro. And they were injured all season long. So
2: 90, 90 what what like ninety one different players throughout the year due to injury and COVID. Thank and, you. And and lost <laughs> lost their their main player, their main running back, and. Lost and still were the rece- number one seed? Both receivers and still the number one seed. Wow. Out
1: of the Chiefs, the Chargers, and let's talk about the AFC, right? <laughs> Chargers, Brent if Brandon Staley, I think he's gonna learn from his mistake this year, and that team's gonna come out roaring yeah. next year. I mean, say what you want. It takes one <laughs> it takes one time to to be the 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 laughing stock of the NFL for a yep. couple of weeks, which he was. Like, what were they doing against the Raiders? Man, he's going to have a hell of a team next year. Yep. Um and we're going to be looking at the other blue and yellow team in the Super Bowl if they don't you <laughs> know if nobody stops them. Um but yeah, it, you know, after the Super Bowl, <laughs> Matt Stafford versus the Super Bowl parade photographer
2: happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: There was a discussion, you know, on one podcast, is page that a lot of people were chiming in on, and we just wanted to go ahead and, and have an open discussion here with the panel as well. There you go. I'm on one side of the fence of thinking that I love Matt Stafford. Yep. Got his jersey. Been talking. Yep. Don, Don has known me for five plus years now, longer than that. Shh. Ever since day one, I've been telling him Matt Stafford does not get enough love. Yep. This is when he was with the Lions and they were sucking it up. I'm happy for my boy. I'm happy that he got him a Super Bowl win. We can start putting him into the Hall of Fame conversation. Um, at this point in time, I don't think anybody's arguing that outside of Richard Sherman. Now, <laughs> what he did at the parade was unexcusable. Yeah, I don't care how much you've been drinking. Yep. If you were able to say, "Oh my God," turn around and walk away, you could have said, "Oh my God," can somebody help this lady? My man turned around and walked away. <laughs> Next day, what happened was, of course, the photographer came out and said she was diagnosed with a fractured spine. As the events may lie, Parade happened February 16th. Photographer was photographing Matthew uh, and Kelly Stafford on a stage. Photographer then proceeded to fall off the stage in an accident. Photographer then was diagnosed with a fractured spine. the next next couple of days, after all the controversy, Matt and Kelly Stafford came on and said, we will go ahead and pay the medical bills. I think this was Damage Control 101. Awesome gesture, paying her medical bills, but they wouldn't have had to do this at this extent. They would have seen like superstars if Matt was like, oh man, can somebody help her? The cameras are on it. I don't know what happened people said that he was Asking you know, being concerned after the fact. But the lady fell. <laughs> they were getting slammed on social media. A couple of days later they're like, We'll pay all the medical bills. What's your guys' take on this?
2: Well, um I think Matt and Kelly are great people and always have been. And yeah. I think their gesture was fantastic. Um, but H- Matt's wife Kelly had had the human reaction if you saw she saw what happened the expression on her face she went over to the edge of the stage she didn't turn around take a drink and walk away it was a human reaction it was showing compassion and concern she did the right thing matt did not so let's let's play it out a little bit husband and wife Maybe this happened. Maybe it didn't. <laughs> but after the fact is, is Kelly yelling at Matt at home, dude, you just did this. You just did this. We look like this. We got to do something. Yep. It, you know, that conversation could have happened. Not saying it did, but you know how it happens. So, uh, I mean, it, it, it was a very unfortunate situation. Um, it's a shame Matt didn't have a more human, compassionate reaction to what happened. Uh, his wife, his wife did, and ultimately they did the right thing.
1: Yeah, at the end of the day, we're not, you know, we're not upset at the fact that they did it. I just don't like the right. damage control and situation that that happened after the fact, and that some people, uh, I'm like I said, you know, like Don said too, they're probably wonderful people. Yep. Um, you know, done some wonderful things. Now, outside of that, you know, Max and Chris, how do you guys feel about this situation? It's, it's related to football a little bit, but does this, does this almost a little bit ruin Matt, Matt Stafford's legacy?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Because let's just be honest. Let's be honest, right? Let's be honest. We've all seen a friend or just some random person fall down in an embarrassing moment or something like that, like the reporter did. And we just went, oh, my goodness, and kind of walked away. We've all done mm-hmm. it. I've done it. My friends fall down flat on their face. I'm going to turn around and laugh. That's just, that's just me as a person. Of course, I'm going to make sure after the fact that they're okay. You know, kind of like Don said that Kelly went over there and had a human reaction. You know, it was like, oh, are you okay? You know, and Matt, you know, you don't, honestly, would you rather get caught laughing at the situation on camera or just having your back turned to the situation personally yeah. i'd rather get caught having my back turned to this situation rather than being caught laughing on camera because i was matt Stafford and i seen the reporter the uh photographer fall off the stage i'm a bust out laughing yeah I,
2: right. hey, I i totally get your point max the the thing i'm looking at is none of us because of our life choices because of our circumstances are in their shoes we are not high profile people on camera all the time. And I think they just need to be more aware of if you're on camera, you, you need to do these things. That's all.
0: I got you to create a more uh yep. presentable yep. figure in a way.
2: Yep. You got it. Okay. Yeah, for sure.
0: And I totally agree with that as well. But you know, like you said, we aren't always in this high profile situation. Right. So right. you know you know our friends and family may record us here and there, you know, at events and stuff. So there's always sure. going to be something being recorded. Right. But I feel like if, if you were in a high profile situation, you know, you were a little intoxicated, would you rather, would you rather get caught laughing or just have your back to it? Right. I and mean, I just kind of have my back to it. You know, you take, you take the yeah. the punch on the chin, you know, yep. you just keep it a walk in and you go, okay, now I have to, do something to make it better i like Dante not say damage control 101 whether it be you know out of the goodness of your heart or you're just trying to protect your character you have sure. to do something
2: you have to do something to alleviate
0: yep. the the heat in the matter sure
2: yep
1: for sure well you know there's not enough to be said about this. I think, I think at the end of the day, we could just call this he, he messed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you don't messed up, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. And it was just one of those things that an incredible gesture came out of uh, one yep. of the, you know, crappiest situations. Uh, let's see if we can get Chris back in here now. Chris, Very can you. you hear us now? I don't know. Uh, he still can't hear us. Okay. Um, He's saying that he's having some trouble hearing us, but that's cool. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue to show until he jumps back in here. So Don, would yes, you do sir. the honor, sir? Afloatposters.com? It,
2: it is time. The <laughs> float posters is your one-stop shop for sports and custom posters. All posters are premium with crisp and clean graphics. They're up to three different sizes and will look great in your office, bar, restaurant, man cave, living rooms and bedrooms. There is free priority shipping on orders over $40. Please visit afloatposters.com that's posters.com for more information on their current collections. And for you HBCU fans he's now a licensed seller of most HBCU schools so visit hbcuposters.com for more information on those items thank you to afloat posters for your continued support
1: all right we appreciate those guys over there Yep,
2: you know, we per-
1: we personally know them
2: yep <laughs> got the poster in the back
1: yep next thing we want to get into real quick as you guys know oh go yeah. and grab you some merch from uh the ecg store That's east coast get you a you gotta have a feedies t-shirt Max, when you get back to playing football, man, you got to have a feedies. You know what yep. I'm like saying? trying, to, <laughs> trying to lock up your receivers, your receiver. <laughs> yep. You got to have a feedies. Have the feedies. So we go ahead and get you a feedies t-shirt. Uh, you know, Chris just recently copped one of the the ECG Superman joints that, yes, that we got out that there. that was so, awesome. Yeah, we appreciate that, too. Um, I got the
2: hoodie on today.
1: Yeah, I, I don't have it, but, you know, I took the – the dog outside early and it was still a little chilly last night we was in philly man yeah, yeah. and i wasn't expecting it to be so cold <laughs> but i i yeah i had to tell myself you know you don't messed up right i should have wore a hoodie or something yep. um but yeah east coast gridiron Merch.com, i think our prices are very reasonable as i say every single week we're trying yep. or we're not trying to nickel and dime you yep. you know like you get you get the ship and it comes straight to you there's we're we're not in between that, so whenever it says it's gonna ship it says it's gonna ship yep. we let those guys take care of it over there uh, nice high quality t shirts I know some people had some some issues with some of the printing um back in the day, but hopefully they got that figured out. We let them know that you know a couple washes and sometimes like it was doing weird stuff but uh yeah, go ahead and grab you a a t- shirt hoodie um summertime's coming back around you know what I'm saying grab yeah. you grab you a feedy t- shirt um all right. Fun topic. If we were in the war room as the Lions... <laughs>
2: Since they have what? two picks in the first round.
1: They got two picks in the first round. Yep. What would we do? Just trying to we're try to figure it out. Chris, can you hear us now? You good? I yep. saw you do the thumbs up. All right. All right. We're back in there. Back in there like swimwear. All right. <laughs> so, Don, go ahead and give us your, your picks. Well,
2: I, I think you know, it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson with pick number two, the edge out of Michigan would not be my pick, but I think everybody in the war room would outvote me because they want the local guy. I mean, Mm kind of like Zach Wilson and the Jets last year, the lions believe the hype and they are going to go with the hometown boy. Then with pick 32, they need someone to step up and catch the ball during Jared Goff's last season as a starter, so they grab Chris Olave, wide receiver out of Ohio State.
1: Why do you do my man golf like that? <laughs> I've been trashing golf like his whole career, so yeah. it's all good.
2: I I think he's done after this year.
1: Uh, after this year, really?
2: Yeah, like th- yeah, he'll like he'll... done
1: as in retiring or no, done no, as done like done you are a secondary in... guy. Yeah,
2: you you are a backup somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Dang. Yeah.
1: Number two on the depth chart, Jared Goff. <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> what
1: happened, Jared? <laughs> Dang. All right. Well, does Chris Olave fall that far? Eh,
2: it's it's going to be iffy. It's. it's I don't really, know what this draft is going to be. It's going to depend how quarterback crazy people go in this first round. I don't think they should, but I got a funny feeling they are, and if they do, he will drop.
1: Nice. Understood. Yeah. I'm going to keep my pick from what I told you guys about. I think secondary is one thing that they are struggling with across yes, the they board. Are. Um, I don't think they go with Aiden Hutchinson right away, but I think they go ahead and fill the two quarterback spots. <laughs> wow. So I think they go Derek Stingley Jr. Everybody knows the amazing talent that Derek Stingley Jr. Yeah. is. I think he's better than the guys out in Cincinnati. He's been hyped up the last couple years. He reminds me of Patrick Sertain for the fact that he's big, he's physical. His his hand placement, the hand fighting that he does, all that stuff, you know, stopping you before you even get open on your route, good at top of the route. like He does it all. And later in his career, like I think Patrick Sertain is going to do, is because they're such big-body guys, I don't think they're the speediest guys ever, but they'll be able to transition to safety really, really soon once they start hitting that downfall as a a cornerback, once that speed starts dropping off. So I think he is a 12- to 14-year guy right off the rip that you can go and draft that's going to be great for them. On the other side... Because I think they need help at cornerback. Not even going to mention my boy from Ohio State that they drafted. The dude is buns. At number number 32, Kyra Elam. This hurts me. I'm a Florida State guy.